Well, this has to be one of the most common questions I get emailed about. Turns out, if you can take a little time to understand why men or women react differently to the idea of counseling, then you can dial in your approach to help get you and your spouse the help that you need. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a promising episode for you this week. This is episode number 196, and today we're going to be talking about how to get your spouse into marriage counseling, if they're kind of reluctant. This isn't just an ad for our own virtual counseling agency, but it is a research-based discussion about how to overcome this challenge effectively and without being manipulative or sneaky. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed how to handle chronic health problems. Worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And as we always remind you, if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound, research-based advice. And most of all, we offer hope. Let's get into this topic for Linda, getting your spouse into marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. You know, at the start, it's worth noting that researchers estimate that at any point in time in America, around 20% of marriages will be experiencing significant distress. That's a lot, I think. It speaks to how much of our struggle is hidden from sight and from family. Mm -hmm. You just present the nice shiny side. Yeah, keep those good photos on Facebook or not. In fact, 28% of divorcing couples do not confide in family members about their marital problems prior to divorcing, and 63% of divorcees do not attend any kind of relationship counseling prior to divorce. Hmm. Not only that, but couples who do seek help wait an average of six years before doing so. That's six years of distress. Yeah, and then like you're so entrenched and bitter, or you could be. We can still help you. Yeah. But But, like there's help available, so let's change that. Yeah. Yes. Like, I know how hard it is to make the first appointment. Like, you're a counselor. I'm sure you think this is no big deal. But like, it was kind of like, okay, I have to do this right now before I lose the courage. Yes, to call or set up or whatever. And then even Mm. still, before each appointment, I get like the heebie-jeebies inside. Like, I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, like there's some trepidation about... Oh, I, I show up in some of my clients sometimes telling me, I didn't feel like talking to you today. Yeah. Yeah. Does that hurt your feelings? Because I tell my counselor that too. No, it's 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 because they're signing up to do some hard work. Yeah, exactly. Really hard work. Yeah. So we want to encourage you. Yep. Unfortunately, popular media has made divorce appear cheap and easy, like a good solution. It fails to disclose the real emotional, relational, spiritual, financial costs of divorce. And a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the hidden costs of marital distress. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So why don't couples seek help? Okay. Or why do they not Go get it. Yeah. Well, there can be practical concerns to start with. Things like feeling like there's a lack of time and money. Right. Sometimes, and those are me- real. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a lack of awareness that good help can be had because people like their parents didn't get counseling. Mm. Their friends maybe haven't talked about it. So they don't really know. Or someone had a bad experience way back when. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes if you're like us, you live in a rural area. It may not seem like there's anybody around who really speaks to what you need help on. Mm-hmm. 
Although the increasing number of virtual agencies like ours has done a lot to fill that need. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again, folks might not be aware that that's available. And then there's also often a stigma around seeking help for your marriage. Like you should have it all together. Okay. Right? Like if none of your other friends are... Yeah. Like why are we the only ones who need help? Right? Right. Okay. Men tend to act more self-reliant, more in control. We're less inclined to seek help with emotional issues. You're less inclined to seek help about anything. Like reading the directions. Let's keep moving here. (laughs) Researchers note that typical masculine beliefs such as self-reliance. Why do I write up critical things about men? (laughs) Self-reliance and emotional suppression are negatively correlated to a willingness to get help. So you're less likely to get help if you're self-reliant. If you're male. (laughs) Pretty much. I'm sure this research is inaccurate, but anyways, I I told people to be research-based, so we'll have to stick with it. And so the stronger these things are in a guy's character, the less willing he will to be to get help, typically, okay. right? Mm-hmm. So let's move on because this is uncomfortable for me. <laughs> One study even found that most men would only consider marital counseling appropriate in situations relating to divorce or abuse. But if you get it beforehand, then you you won't be there. Yes. Of course, women are not immune to stigma either. Seeking marriage counseling can be seen as an admission that your marriage is failing. And that's a difficult admission to make. Mm-hmm. That requires you to recognize the seriousness of your problems and open yourself up to scrutiny by a therapist, right? Yeah. And some even fear that getting counseling may be dangerous to the relationship because you're admitting how serious the problem is. So you may feel that you're signaling the end of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like we're in dire straits and there's only rocks ahead. It can feel like you're setting that up, right? Yeah. Or you're bringing them out in the open and they're going to see how I really feel about this. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what you were saying about being a difficult admission that you need help? Yes. I mean, that's, I feel that even in individual counseling. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're supposed to have it all together. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's other variables too. Women are more likely to want to seek help than men. And I mentioned these kinds of things, by the way, just so folks know that if you're thinking about getting this and you're like, what's wrong with my husband? Well, it's just normal for you to be thinking about this first, ladies. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Interestingly, older couples are more are generally more willing to seek external help. And that does fit what I see in my practice. I think the statistic is that half of divorces, not marriages, half of divorces occur in the first seven years of marriage. Well, obviously not marriage. Yeah. What was I trying to say there? <laughs> I'm not sure. So people don't come in their first seven years of marriage. They just right. get a divorce instead. Yes. Yes. Okay. I rarely see couples in counseling, like in my practice, who mm-hmm. are in the single digits of their marriage, right. even though half of all the divorces that occur are in that time period. Ah, oh, I see what you're That's saying. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. And yet what a great time to do counseling. Like younger people. You're not entrenched in your yes. dysfunction. Thank Sorry. you for saying that. I wasn't, I couldn't think of a nice way to say it. And We'll just move on. Yes. <laughs> Older people, don't be offended by the implications of what we just said. It's just kind of true. Younger people are more supple in their thinking, right? Where we get more set in our ways as we get older. Yeah, we do. Yes. What we like or don't like. Yeah. There's also socioeconomic factors. Couples who are more well-off, couples who are more highly educated are more likely to seek marriage counseling, possibly okay. due to being more aware of the benefits it can offer and having the resources to be able to access it. Mm-hmm. Right. I often tell people, you know, if the financial issue comes up, the best way to think about the financial issue is juggling things around to say, how can we make this work on a monthly budget basis so we can set aside, we need to create a budget, a flow of X hundreds of dollars. Mm -hmm. And then that way you can do the work without adding a tremendous financial burden. Like you're hoping you can get through this for 1200 bucks. Right. Okay. So what about the like self doubts about like, I'm not worth this? Well, like I struggle with that. Okay. We're taking this much out of the 
the family that's, budget every month. So that's an important question, but that's more for individual counseling, isn't it? Well, why wouldn't So the average couple the when they divorce, they lose 77% of their net worth. I know, but I'm sure some people are out there like, oh, well, we're not that close yet. We just don't get along. I see. So I think the joy of a happy marriage over the course of a year is better than two weeks of vacation. So well, what if you true. miss vacation that's for a true. year? Absolutely. And you take that three to $5,000 or maybe some folks are more spending than us. Mm-hmm. And you put that towards marriage counseling and mm-hmm. you create a happy marriage. So you're experiencing joy week in and week out, not just for the two weeks you're in the Bahamas. Yeah, that's and, worth way more than a vacation. Yes. Have I sold you yet? Yeah, but you could take me on a vacation too and I wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where were we? Our next episode is on living with a demanding wife. You wouldn't have anything to say. No, that'll just research based, uh, no personal experience. Okay. So do we need to kind of give any clarity there on how to get your, the how-to part of that? So I think one is budgeting, right? Yeah. And understanding sure. that you guys may just see this differently because of your gender. So you don't have to take it so personally if you're Right. It doesn't mean he doesn't want the marriage. Yes. Okay. Right? Yeah. So part of this is just how we're thinking through this, right? And realizing it might, you know, he might come through his reasoning on a different pathway than you. Right. Stages of help seeking. This is worth noting because there are stages that people go through when they're seeking help. And if you know what the stages are, you may see your spouse's indifference to counseling as merely a timing issue, which again creates a little bit of room. Okay. So the first stage is called problem recognition, realizing that the marriage has problems that need resolving. Mm -hmm. People have to go through that stage. And then they go to the second stage, treatment consideration, which is deciding whether to look for counseling. And then there's treatment seeking, which is actually looking for the help and considering the different kinds of help. So you might be in stage three and your husband is just kind of getting to stage one. On average, the research shows that women complete all three steps more quickly than men do. So often the wife is ready to enter into marriage counseling before the husband. That's from Mm. Doss et al. 2007. So if the husband's If the husband is engaged with this process and is actually thinking about the need for help, it may be wise to give him time and space to work through each step and just recognize it may take him longer. Right. Okay. And again, I think like the not taking it personally. Yeah. Just because he's at a different stage than you are is huge. Yeah. And knowing that you're further ahead in your thinking may help you just kind of go with him, meet him where he's at in his thinking to bring him to the same Right. Because it's not a personal thing. It's not a rejection. And that can help get them into counseling too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So once again on this, we've created a bonus guide for our supporters. Uh, thank you guys all for being with us month after month and helping us to reach and help thousands of marriages every week. This particular guide steps you through the tasks and that you need, and it equips you with the specific communication skills for this topic in order to help get your spouse on board for marriage therapy. Mm-hmm. Again, not manipulative, just clear upfront stuff, right? You can get this uh, bonus guide by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And we'll just take a quick break here again to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day to day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. 
With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about the stages of seeking help. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing to do is to try to intervene early. Now, we recognize it might be too late mm-hmm. for some folks, but I'm always the guy who, like, when the car is making some odd noise, I'm hoping the noise is just going to go away on its own. <laughs> like when it sounds like your tire is going to fall off. Yeah, I live in that. I live in denial of the problem recognition stage. No, there's no problem. The problem will go away. But I think that happens around counseling too. For you know, couples are most often motivated to seek marriage counseling when their distress is highest and their relationship satisfaction is lowest. As I often tell folks, people change when the pain of change is less than the pain of staying the same. same. Mm-hmm. It's not my quote. I'm sure I got that from somewhere. This is because high marital distress is a strong motivator to get help. And until distress is high, other issues may act as barriers to desiring help or they just might seem more important. Right. Now, also, many couples only attempt counseling once divorce is something they're seriously considering and when their levels of hope are at their lowest. While that is very motivating, it's also a more challenging starting point. I really want to encourage you to start early here. And the other thing that I've seen that's really tricky is that one spouse might be completely ready for it. And by the time the other spouse gets on board, if it's like several years later, spouse number one is checked out of the marriage Mm -hmm. and they're done. Yeah, they don't want to start counseling at that point. No, that's tough. But we've heard from both of these kind of spouses. Yes. You know, you hear from the first spouse timing. saying, I can't get my spouse into counseling. And then you hear from the other spouse like, oh, we've just had a crisis. I want it, but my my wife doesn't want it now. Or like it just. Yeah. Mm. So if your spouse is asking for counseling, please take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd encourage even healthy, happy marriages. It'd be good to chat to your spouse on an upbeat day when you guys are getting along well and agree that counseling is something that you'll both commit to being open to. Even when one, oh. only one spouse thinks it's necessary. So this doesn't mean you have to go right now. No. But just you agree that you'll be open to yes. it. Ah. Yes. So part of this too, for those folks that are listening that aren't at the point where they feel like they desperately need counseling, you know, motivating your spouse to enter counseling earlier before the marriage develops serious problems, that can make restoring the marriage easier. So mm-hmm. there's different ways to do this. One thing that you can do as well, and this also applies in the distress circumstance where you may have a spouse who's not convinced there is a problem. Okay. You can look for a less intensive form of help than counseling. That's more focused on supporting marriages rather than like addressing couples where they're very distressed now. So, okay. you know, people think of couples therapy as for crisis. Okay. Quite often, right? Yes. But yeah. what if you got like a checkup tool? Hey, honey, let's do this. We just fill out the survey for 20 minutes. It sends us a report. It costs 30, 40 bucks. Right. You know, gives you a chance to talk about it, yeah. bring things out into the open that might yes. be simmering. And it's like, you know what? We should probably talk to someone about some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now or it might be like, you know what? This is great. Yeah. But what you've done though, is you've lowered the barrier to entry because you've taken a small step. That's not a huge commitment, a big deal with all these fears and uncertainties and doubts associated with it. And you've, and you've just kind of moved towards something. So okay. sometimes like we think, you know, I need marriage counseling. I'm fixated on it. That's all I can think about. Well, can you think about this almost like from a change management perspective? Like how can you slowly step your spouse toward that? Okay. And it could be through smaller steps like this. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, Cordova et al. developed an intervention called the marriage checkup designed for couples who are at risk of developing marital problems, but are not yet in high levels of distress. And they found that by advertising their course as being educational and quote, 
available to all married couples interested in learning about their marriage, end quote, mm-hmm. and making no mention of distress or conflict, they were able to attract a large number of at-risk couples who would otherwise mm-hmm. not have considered marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Again, this is a way to move towards counseling in a more stepwise fashion rather than just taking a big a leap. big leap, yeah, yeah. In our practice, in our agency, we offer a similar checkup. So if you're interested in that, jump on our website, find the get in touch form and send me a note. We can help you with this. I think another takeaway from this point is that if one spouse is trying to motivate their other spouse into counseling, the way you phrase their request may be important as well. Talking about right. learning about our marriage or checking up on how things are going or learning some new skills rather than saying, we need help. Or you need help. We're in a bad spot. Mm-hmm. Or rather than even viewing counseling as a last resort, that can provide more motivation, get you into counseling before serious problems develop, more serious Mm -hmm. problems develop. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now let's talk about motivation, how to create and foster motivation. Because we want to motivate someone towards counseling. That's where we're going with this, right? Normalizing is one thing to consider. One simple observation here is that people are more willing to attend counseling if they are made aware that the challenges that they're facing are common to humanity. Mm-hmm. That helps reduce the stigma, the perceived yeah. social stigma around getting help. And I know a lot of church and ministry leaders listen to our show. Please talk about getting counseling as a normal experience of human growth and development. Mm-hmm. The more we normalize this, the lower the barrier to entry for others who have not yet tried working with a professional counselor. Right. So we can do this at a community level. We can also do this even just as a couple's level. Just saying, you know what? People hide this, but we know they have marriage problems. We can see it. Yeah. Right? So we're not the only ones who are struggling. Why don't we get help and see how it goes? Oh, like trying this with your spouse. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And then, so not only is there normalizing things, but knowledge of counseling services can help. So another study found that knowledge of the services available to couples, prior experience of these services, this was linked to higher motivation to seek help. Okay. Many couples who are not motivated to get external help are simply unaware of the types of help available or unaware of what counseling might involve. You don't know what it's like, so you don't want to go. It's scary, yeah. Right. In their study, 21% of men and 29% of women had never even heard of marriage counseling. Wow, okay. So simply helping your spouse become more aware of counseling services can help them decide to seek help. Hmm. And again, we're, we have a link to uh, how marriage counseling works. It's another episode that we did, which kind of we go into the room basically and show you how what happens, what we do in our practice, mm-hmm. the approach that yeah. we use. If you want to listen to that episode, it's at oif.link slash 171 in your podcast player. Just look for episode number 171. Now, the third thing as part of understanding motivation is just paying attention to attitudes and expectations. Researchers in 2007 found that an individual's expectation of what counseling would be like and how useful it would be, would be the strongest predictor of how willing they are to attend. So managing expectations is important. There's Mm -hmm. several factors within managing expectations. Some individuals, often men, feel that asking for help in any situation is a sign of weakness. Again, Mm. back to the start rate. And self-reliance is better. That's linked to the stigma around seeking professional help with your marriage. Challenge this belief gently. Help them see that things would be better if they're willing to seek help. That can begin to resolve this, begin to move them toward this, right? I think at some core level, we all understand this. I mean, if you take, and you can even use this as a thought, right? In every superhero movie, there's a character who's a guide for the superhero. Okay. And if I'm going to be a superhero husband, it's reasonable for me to think that I'm going to need a guide along the way. Like any of the Star Wars movies, the main character always has some kind of a guide. Obi-Wan Kenobi slash Jedi. There's always someone there that guides them. Okay. 
So that's one thing to consider. Also, this part about expectations of what will happening, what will happen in the room. Oh, okay. Yeah. So some people are scared to go to counseling, marriage counseling, because they're afraid that they're going to be blamed or judged for their marital problems because that's what happens in the conflict at home. Mm. Or they just don't have any idea what it's going to be like. They're going to fear the unknown. We've mentioned this, right? I hate even going to new grocery stores because it's unknown. Okay. Yeah. So that's an issue. Sorry. So I don't, we don't have an episode on grocery stores, but (laughs) we do have an episode again, like the one I just mentioned. I'm just saying about fearing the unknown. Yes. Like anything that's new. Well, counseling, you know, just help tell your spouse. It's, it's a safe place to work through their issues. And when we say safe place, it means like nobody's going to, you're going to get respected. Okay. When it's done right. And your voice, it will be heard and you're allowed to share what you're thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and people need to know that and what it involves. Again, check out that episode 171, oyf.link slash 171 for uh, how marriage counseling works. And again, I'll say though, that you want to be sure to pick a real marriage therapist here, not just a therapist who wants to have a crack at your marriage, like someone who's trained in these things. So pick the right person. Mm-hmm. The third thing is to manage expectations of usefulness. Thinking that counseling won't help is also a likely barrier to wanting to attend. Yeah, for sure. Explaining how it works or pointing to research about its effectiveness may help overcome this too. And again, there are a handful of marriage therapy approaches, modalities that have proven efficacy that have been shown to work in repeated studies. Mm-hmm. We use one of these in our practice called emotionally focused couples therapy. Again, talked about it in that other episode. And then finally, and maybe this is more male as well, the fear of expressing emotion. People who feel uncomfortable with expressing their emotions during counseling are less motivated to attend. Often men fall into this category. We're less comfortable with our emotional expressiveness. Mm-hmm. That's understandable. But one thing that I found particularly useful in this area is pointing out that more and more workplace research, workplace, yeah. is showing that the most successful entrepreneurs, leaders, and employees are those who have strong emotional intelligence. Mm. And one of the great spinoff benefits of marriage counseling is that you really develop your emotional intelligence. A lot of men can resonate with that kind of thinking. So so you're going to tell your husband like, hey, you don't want to come to marriage therapy, but this may uh, develop your emotional intelligence and all these high working, successful entrepreneurs, leaders, they have a high EI, so you should come. I would pitch it a little differently. It's more like when he's complaining about it. I'm going to have to talk about my feelings, mm-hmm. kind of that, or even if he's more vulnerable about, you know what? I don't want to get into all that emotional stuff. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, part of what we're going to do is we're going to learn skills about how to talk through those things. As doesn't this, you know, this doesn't just help our marriage, but if you want, it's going to help you at work too. Mm. Like these are life skills that translate into different areas. Mm-hmm. Oh, you said that so much better. Thanks. Huh. And I... I've noted that men can resonate with that kind of thinking. It's not emotional expressiveness or the ability to talk about emotions. That's not like you either were born with it or you're not. It's a skill to be learned. It just takes a little psychoeducation and some practice. And that's what Mm, a therapist is for. Yeah, yeah. So talking through things like that, offering them other reasons why it might be valuable. That can help get your spouse into marriage counseling as well. Okay. Hopefully we've given you a lot to think about here. If you're listening today... You probably long for the day that your spouse will be willing to go to marriage counseling with you. And our prayer for you is that that day would come soon. Yeah. So whether you find a therapist locally or choose the more convenient option of working with a virtual agency of expert therapists like ours, we hope that you guys both choose the wise choice to renew and if necessary, rebuild the marriage relationship that you have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Caleb, I want to say thank you to Carolyn, Callie, and Heidi 
who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. And to all our, what was the word we used last time? Loyal. I don't know if it was, but it came to mind. Yeah. To all our loyal patrons each month, thank you for supporting us and helping marriages. Next week, we're talking about how to figure out what your spouse is actually upset about. Oh, like when they're upset, what they're actually yes. upset about. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. That should be a good one. Mm-hmm. Because I never get upset. Well, that is all for today's episode. Purely research-based like usual. <laughs> not, a, not anecdotal. You can get the full show notes of today's episode at oyf.link slash 196. And find out how you can help us help marriages. Go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.